0: don't want to see taxes take a big chunk of it Well yeah I <laughs> couldn't get more oh. conversation <laughs> he, he, <laughs> was <laughs> I, <laughs> he was so excited he couldn't get the words <laughs> to come out
1: just so excited about the tax.
0: Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. So when you retire, you stop making money and you start spending money. It's it's fun. It's exciting. But sometimes, Lauren, is it kind of a difficult mental switch for people?
2: It certainly can be. You think about saving all of these years for this magical time, maybe two, three lifetimes away from, for a time that you don't have to work to have your income coming in. And then you, you get there one day and you're like, wow, this is it. So I don't have to work anymore, but now I have this finite, finite set of resources that have to last for the rest of my life. And that's one of the biggest challenges is how long is that going to be? How long is that going to be is what I've done to this far enough to get me the end. And so it does create a lot of anxiety for those reasons alone.
0: And I think the fun part and one of the best things that we do with the families that we work with here at Michael Retirement Planning is we get to sit down and talk about with them that what that vision looks like. So for all of us, I think it'd be fun to just think about that time when we get to start spending and using that retirement uh, savings and that retirement vision. Rochelle, I imagine your retirement. Looking something like you have this, you have like ten screens. You have like a very comfortable chair, a headset, and you're video gaming <laughs> uh, to your to your little heart's content. I mean, it's close, but no, I probably <laughs> would want a home theater. Where I could watch movies mm. and like a popcorn maker in the corner. Oh, yeah. oh, that would be great.
2: And then you can just push that button on the remote and it can switch over to a gaming set. There we go. On your home theater. There we go. There it is.
0: There's your retirement vision producer, Rochelle Smith. Abby, I imagine your retirement vision being like a giant pontoon, <laughs> maybe even a houseboat <laughs> that you maybe live on when you feel like
1: it and you're just boating and... And just being on the water, am, am I right? I think that's close. I think some element of water would probably be incorporated. Hopefully, some grandkids involved. <laughs> Something along long the line there too. But yeah, some travel, just whatever my little heart desires. <laughs> now, Lauren, when
0: you get to retirement, I'm hoping maybe you're done renovating your house by then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me too. That's what I wanted to. You know, you know what's
2: <laughs> gonna happen. Uh, this is probably just some sci- some kind of weird, sick addiction that I have, and I don't know it yet. <laughs> so I get this house all done, then I go to another house and I tear that one apart, uh, and so I find myself retired tearing apart ha- houses. Still, yep. that could be a very real possibility
0: if your body holds up.
2: That's a big question mark.
0: <laughs> this renovation's been kinda hard on, on you at your at your tender age. Yeah,
2: it sure has been. It's uh, every 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 day is a new wound, a new itch, <laughs> a new scratch. I say the itch because it's the insulation. Correct. Right? So to put some context around that, I've been knee deep into insulation for Probably three to five days, and it just it's it's bad.
0: Stuff. You're not supposed to roll around it's in the insulation. I don't think. I don't think that's part of it.
2: Well, Jason and I were jumping in it like a pile of leaves for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't supposed to do that.
0: <laughs> and then you came to work and we're all like, "Why are you itching your legs like that?" Oh, well, wow. oh, y- you fine. may not ever learn. You're just going to keep the cycle going.
2: Last night was horrible. It was my feet. <laughs> and I wear shoes, but my feet just would not, on the top of my feet, would just not stop itching. <laughs> Jason's like, I'll go get the cow mine. <laughs> or the cortisone. What is that? What is that stuff? Uh,
0: both of those, I think, are anti It wasn't the cow mine. It was the cortisone. Yeah. Cortisone, yeah. Well, maybe in retirement, maybe by the time you get to retirement, you'll have some of these renovation projects done. But when we sit down with families at Merkle Retirement Planning, so Abby Huntrods is with us today. She's a retirement income certified professional. Of course, we've got Lauren Merkle. He's a certified financial planner. And the fun part is that that's exactly what you guys do, right, Abby? You sit down and you say to people, "What is the, what does it look like? What do you want to do in retirement? How do those conversations go?
1: Well, I think it's a very important place to start because, you know, we spend the majority of our day working, and then you flip the switch, and all of a sudden you have all this and you found freedom and time, and when do we most likely spend the most money? Well, when we have some free time. So really kind of pinpointing how do I want to spend all of this, you know, amazing time that I freed up. Like, dream big, you know, because nobody wants to retire and just sit at home. You want to retire and go and do the things that you want to do. So I would say starting with a big vision is important because then that helps us kind of pinpoint, okay, how can we make that come true for you? And so
0: in order to make that come true, you have to have something that we call a retirement income. It's one of the five guiding principles of retirement. We call them the Merkle Retirement Method. So what we want to cover today is some some great ways or some, some things to be thinking about as you near retirement. Lauren, when you sit down with people and you talk about their retirement vision, do you find that people are generally pretty realistic and what their vision is, is something they can meet? Or do you sometimes have to have the tough conversation that the vision doesn't meet, you know, where they're at in that retirement journey?
2: Most of the time, the people that we work with, their vision matches up really well with what their resources are. So it's, it's very realistic. And I think a lot of that has to do with, the, the, the where the majority of our families came from you know the majority of our families came from a working environment where they didn't just have everything they wanted to have so over time slowly they've had to build right they built they built the muscle of of saving, they built the muscle of discipline, hard work, and everything that it takes to eventually get themselves in a position where now they can't afford to stop working and live on what it is that they've accumulated over the course of their lifetime. So that doesn't stop, right? You you live, you grow up that way, you live that way. Uh, that doesn't stop automatically just because you no longer work, and so they built the necessity that, or the necessary muscles to allow themselves to continue to live the lifestyle that they want to. It's just now they don't have to work to do it because they've saved this pot of money, uh, the pension, the social security, to enable them to do or maintain the same style of lifestyle that they've grown accustomed to. They just don't have to work for it anymore.
0: And so before you can start talking with the families about, you know, here's, you know, maybe a monthly number, here's how we're going to draw income or the sequence we're going to draw it in, I would imagine, first, Abby, you have to take stock of everything they have, because we're talking about 30, 40 years of saving, investing, a CD here, an IRA there, I mean, is it just kind of getting that all together first?
1: Yeah, that's what we've lovingly started calling uh, a junk drawer full of investments around here, because that's the way that it goes. You know, you work and you have multiple 401k plans that maybe you left with old employers and you just kind of have this, this pool of stuff. And now it's a great time to reevaluate, okay, how do I, you know, what's the purpose behind each of these pieces? Because in retirement, the portfolio has to be efficiently strategically designed in order to accomplish the goals that you have so you know maybe I need to make some adjustments risk-wise you know maybe there's some investments that are costing more than I need to be paying and so just sitting down taking inventory um, and then from there maybe redesigning how that all looks in order to accomplish those goals
0: And Lauren, another piece before you can kind of set that or help people work towards what that income looks like and how they're going to use it each month or draw it each month, the tax conversation, you have that pretty early on as well.
2: We, we have to, especially in this environment where we feel like taxes are on sale and we're probably going to enter an increasing tax rate environment. If we neglect the tax piece of it, then we're really neglecting what their spendable income or how they're going to get to their spendable income. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters. It's not a matter of what they, they make. It's a matter of what they get to keep, what they get to spend, because what they get to spend is going to fuel their retirement vision. It's going to fuel their lifestyle. So we have to have the conversation of... What is your retirement vision? What is it going to really take to accomplish that retirement vision? And then we can work into how are we going to obtain that and taxes make up a big part of that conversation.
0: And when you're talking about the income, Abby, do you give people a, um, a number as far as it will last you until you're 85, 95? I mean, how do you sort of look at these numbers, put them together and then make them last the rest of someone, someone's life?
1: We like to plan out to age 100 um, because obviously there's a lot of unknowns when we're talking about a 30- or 40-year time span. But planning for longevity is going to help set people up for success more than saying, well, you know, I really don't think I'm going to live to see 85 And this, this one hits a little close to home for me because my grandpa was definitely in that camp. You know, he lived life to the fullest, and he loved to fish, and he loved to travel, and he did all those things. He retired pretty young, thinking that he wasn't going to live to see his 70s. And then he actually just passed away last year at age 96. So as a result of that, you know, he was certain he was, he wasn't necessarily like the healthiest, um, didn't lead the healthiest lifestyle. And that's kind of why he thought, well, there's no way I'm going to make it that long. Well, he and was, then, he was <laughs>
2: living for today, right? He, yeah. And he was trying to have the, make the most out of today and not worrying about <laughs> necessarily the future.
1: Yeah. And it's easy to do. I mean, it's a balance. You want to live, you know, a, a good life today and kind of pursue your goals and your dreams that you want to accomplish today. Because on the contrary side of that, if you were to have kind of postponed all of those things and and not done the things that he wanted to while he was able bodied, then, you know, having money in your eighties and not having the health and the physical ability to go and travel and fish and do those things, well that's not necessarily winning either. So there's certainly a balance there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we definitely want to make sure that you're not running out of money before you run out of time because I've seen that personally. It's a pretty miserable place to be.
2: But- yeah, I mean, I, mean what, I guess what I was thinking is, as you were telling that story, is if you could ask your grandpa right now, he would probably say, I wouldn't regret any of that, right? Because he, he got the, the experience to live – and do the things he wanted to do day by day as if this was going to be his last day, but yet he lived till 96, mm-hmm. you said? So mm-hmm. he had the longevity part, I think, and you didn't say this, but maybe the part that was missing is how do you financially afford the 96? Was Was there some struggles financially then?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, they had depleted savings, I think, pretty early on. So at that point, spent a lot of his retirement living on just Social Security, which is reality, unfortunately, I think, for a lot of families. But I think he would have saved more along the way, had he known, so that he could supplement the guaranteed income sources.
2: Yeah, and but one of the points you alluded to is that, I mean, he spent the money when he was active and energetic and motivated to do the things that he was really passionate about, and maybe part of his thought process is, well, I don't think I'm going to live forever, but if I do live forever, when I'm 90 years old, I'm not going to want to do this anyway. I won't be able to go fishing and boating and traveling and do all that stuff, so do I really need the money? Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, it's certainly a balance um, from our standpoint, from a financial standpoint. We have seen where people do get older, they run out of financial resources. And what that does is it, it uh, they, they feel like internally they run out of control. So if they're just living on their Social Security, they feel like they don't control their own environment anymore because now they're dependent upon family members or, or Medicaid or these other systems that they feel like they've lost control of their life. So from an emotional standpoint, um, which can impact the physical, right? That's, that's the part from our standpoint, we just want to make sure that our families have the financial capability to do what they want to do, to do what they need to do, which is ultimately what it usually turns into, uh, up until age hundred or beyond if, if it's possible.
0: And unfortunately, what you want to do, what you need to do, and then at the end, sometimes what you have to do, which is maybe have in-home health care, go to a nursing home, live in a memory care unit, nothing any of us puts as our retirement vision, but the reality is the numbers show, is it something like over 60% of people at age 65 and over will will need some form of long-term care?
2: There, there's a few different studies out there. The, the the one I'm most familiar with says 70% of people 65 and older will need some kind of long-term care, uh, it, and it's costly. And you think about our, you know, if we think about our families right now and what they're currently experiencing, those who need long-term care, they're paying somewhere between 3500 a month to 10000 a month for their long-term care. Now, we fast forward to when, when a lot of our families may be in that situation to need it, that three thirty five hundred to ten thousand a month, it might equate to sixty five hundred to fifteen thousand dollars a month. And so if you need in-home health care, if you need any type of long-term care, trying to work that into your income plan later on in life, now that regular cost of living is more expensive because of inflation. So 10 years from now, just living a regular life, the life that you live right now is going to cost you more. And then you add long-term care expenses onto it. It can be quite an overwhelming thought process right now. And that's why the sooner you start planning for not only your income needs, but also potential long-term care needs, the better off you're going to be.
0: So when people get to that point where they say, I'm done, this is it, we're retiring. I've gotten to whatever that level looks like for them. And if they've consulted with, you know, a a retirement planner, they probably have a real clear goal in mind, but not everybody does. Sometimes they retire before they they have a real clear goal. So I've gotten to where I think I'm okay. So let's say it's a million, which I know we don't like to use because everyone's different, but they've gotten to some number that feels comfortable for them. And then they know that they're going to have to turn that number into their income. Can they still think about their plan as growing some of that, though? I mean, is, is, there, is there a chance to increase that wealth even when you stop working?
1: Yeah, I think designing the income um, plan and kind of the, the bucketed out strategy is one approach. And there's a lot of different ways that you can build this. But, you know, you have to have some portion of your portfolio that is invested for the long run long run to beat inflation, to maybe have it be a part of your long-term care strategy or plan. Um, But you also have to have like a short-term bucket that is available for your immediate income needs so that when we go through months like, you know, March and April and we experience extreme market volatility, you're not forced to pull money out of an account or an investment that's down by 30 percent. Much like, You know, market volatility benefits you in your saving years because if the market's down by 30% and you're putting money into your retirement, well, then you're investing that money and you're getting a 30% discount on those shares that you're buying. Well, the reverse is true for the decumulation years. So if you're having to pull money out now of your investments and the market's down 30%, it's kind of the reverse of compound interest. And so it can really be detrimental to, you know, how long your portfolio lasts depending on when that volatility um, happens kind of in your retirement timeline. So if if it's early on in retirement, that can have a much uh, more negative impact than if it's maybe, you know, a little bit later on or those types of timelines are where it's important to have short term, kind of an intermediate term and a long term plan or build out as far as how the investments are designed.
2: That's that sequence of withdrawal, Molly, that you were talking about. Oh yeah, that
0: that (laughs)
1: fancy term that I throw out there
0: sometimes in social circles. (laughs) Every day, you never cease to
2: (laughs) cease to amaze me. We we talk about that the impact of of market returns and retiring and taking income on one of our online workshops. We use an example. I think it's uh, Stephen. Stephen Ted or Stephen Bill, it doesn't matter. But basically, they're absolutely identical with what they're trying to accomplish. Same withdrawal amount, um, the age is the same, uh, the portfolio amounts the same. The only thing that is different is that one of them retires in 1990 and the other one retires in the year 2000. And the, the market experience from 1990 to 2000 is significantly better than the market experience from 2000 to 2010 and what we find is the one who retires in 1990 they actually have twice the amount 10 years later taking out taking a withdrawal they have twice the amount that they started with versus the other one who retired in 2000 is almost out of money and so the portfolio started at 500,000 the one who retired in 1990 had 1.2 million. The one who retired in 2000 had only about 130 thousand dollars left. And
0: is that because of the mark? What the market was doing at that time?
2: The only difference between t- those two retirements, those two experiences, is what the market did. So the the years from 1990 to t- 2000 were really good market years. The year, the period of 2000 to 2010 was really not a good market experience. That's the only difference. And that's, the, that's what sequence of withdrawals does, the impact of the stock market on your overall retirement, if you don't have a cohesive retirement income plan. If you have that retirement income plan, like Abby was alluding to, where you have different buckets with each bucket for a specific purpose, a specific intent, and they're working together, now it doesn't matter what the market experience is when you retire. And that's what our families are, are seeing right now. Our families who retire this year, otherwise it would have been an, an atrocious experience for them. But because we have that cohesive income plan set up, it doesn't matter what the market's doing. They can still retire. They can still accomplish their goals. We can still deliver the income on time in the amount that they want. And in some cases, people need a little excess income. We can still deliver that too. That, that's the difference of having that plan versus just kind of going into retirement, hoping that the market's going to work in your favor.
0: Yeah. So what if somebody listening is kind of playing around with a a retirement date or they've, they've got it sort of in their mind, but they're watching this volatile market. I mean, volatile market, are they somebody who might need to work a couple more years? I mean, is it is, do you see that happen?
2: That's one of the questions that we've been receiving this year. I mean, people watch our show, people listen to our podcast, they're calling us for the first time. They're saying, hey, I, I wanted to retire at the end of this year. I'm not sure I can do that anymore. Can, can you take a look at this and help me identify, can I still retire? Am I still on track? What I do know is the market has been absolutely horrible. I'm really concerned about what has already happened. I'm really concerned about what's going to happen. And I want to retire can i do that so that, that that i know those questions are out there and every time we go through a down market like what we've seen in 2020 people have to come out of retirement people have to postpone their retirement because they don't have that adequate plan in place so it's on the top of mind of most people every time we go through this and that's the importance of having that income plan in place is, is it alleviates that anxiety it, it alleviates the notion of your retirement is going to go up and down or live by the seat of what this retirement or what the investment experience is like, the stock market experience.
1: Well, and what a powerful opportunity to reevaluate your situation because the market has rebounded so quickly. I mean, we were talking projections of 18 months for it to come back initially, and we're essentially back to where we started now. So if you were uncomfortable in your March and April experience in the market, then maybe now is an excellent time to reevaluate your investment strategy, if you are on the doorstep of retirement, to maybe take some of that risk off the table so that if things get crazy again this fall, you know, you have a better, more intentional plan in place. And hopefully, you know, you didn't make any crazy emotional decisions and get out of the market at a low point because then you missed out on the rebound or or some of it. So um, there's a lot of technicalities. And I think, you know, like Lauren had mentioned, just having that cohesive plan is a crucial element on the doorstep of retirement.
0: So the focus of today's show is retirement income, and I suppose you guys have to talk about one of my least favorite words,
1: budget. I thought, I thought you great. were going to say taxes. Oh, <laughs> well,
0: well, taxes put me to sleep every time Laura talks about them. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought but you were
2: going to say donuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I like donuts. You like donuts. Maybe I was just hungry. I don't like <laughs> budgets. I mean, well, that's just my own personal situation, but... Uh, budgets. And I think, too, the families that you work with have just come off of some of their highest wage earning years. Maybe the kids are out of the house, so maybe they haven't had to to really pinch those pennies like, like they did early uh, early on in their careers. So when you're talking about their retirement income, how does that conversation go when you say, uh, I'm just going to take a number, it's probably, you know, you're going to live off of $5,000 a month. Do people say, oh, that's we understand that that's just right, or wait, hold on, we might spend 10000 in one month and 2000 in another.
1: It's not so much about pinching pennies or budgeting, I don't think, for, for a lot of families. I think it's just about communicating your goal, you know, identifying, okay, we know that our baseline expenses are X, but we also know that we want to spend, you know, Z on travel and discretionary stuff, and just being honest and open about your hopes and you know, expectations, if it's sustainable, so that we can plan accordingly from an income delivery standpoint.
0: And are those conversations, when people are getting ready to retire, are they they ready to have those conversations or do they sometimes get difficult? Because again, I don't really like if my husband comes to me with some budget. (laughs) It's it's uncomfortable sometimes with your own spouse, like, oh, well, maybe, yeah, no, I shouldn't have, or I should have. I mean, does that happen to pre-retirees and retirees or is that just me?
2: I'm not sure too many people really like to talk about limitations on spending, yes, yes, which, which is like really those. what a budget is, right? You can only spend this amount of money over this time frame, uh, But most of the families we work with, they understand it, they get it. Uh, there has to be some kind of limit on the spending, and they're okay with it because they've always had a limit on the spending. Now, over the last decade prior to retirement, retiring most of them haven't really had to worry about it all that much right they want something they go they go buy it because the kids are out of the house they've still they're at their peak wage earning years money is coming in uh in abundance for them compared to what they have historically been used to so they just go do what they want to do in retirement they most of them get it they realize that they have a finite amount of resources that has to last the rest of their life and that can't be part part of the power of the planning too because if Sometimes people say, I don't know how much I need to spend, right? Because they haven't paid close attention to it. So we can work backwards to what it is that you can afford to spend for the first five years of your retirement, first 10 years of your retirement, whatever is required for their situation. So the plan, through the planning, we can identify, here's what an appropriate budget is for you over this time frame, And then, of course, there's room for adjustments as we go.
0: And when you read some of these retirement income articles online, you'll see some numbers like uh, you need to replace 70% of your current income or 80% of your current income. It, do you guys find that those that's a good guideline when you start thinking about retirement
1: income or not? I think it goes back to our whole like stay away from general rules of thumb. Yeah. So that might work for a lot of people, but then it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. But the idea there is that you're n- no longer saving you know, for retirement now. So you can eliminate that cost. But on top of that, then you have maybe additional health care costs or people often underestimate the expense of Medicare and supplemental plans and that kind of thing. So I think, you know, just a, a general starting point. Sure, that works. But then it definitely needs to be customized from there.
0: So we're talking about budgets, talking about income, and I suppose it's another thing I don't really like to talk about budgets is my, I don't care for budgets, but another thing that I kind of fall asleep when Lauren mentions is taxes, but I know that taxes can really erode wealth, and if you're getting ready to spend what you've worked so hard to save, you don't want to see taxes take a big chunk of it.
2: So you end up in retirement. You just retired. You think you need $6,000 a month. You have social security, maybe you have a small pension from a, a job you worked a long time ago, and you're feeling really good because you have this million dollar pot of money that that was always your goal. I need to get to a million dollars for whatever reason. So you got there, and now it's retirement time. And then you start to take that million dollars out every single month. And that first year in retirement, you go to file your taxes after that first year. And then you figure out how much of that distribution you took out you didn't get to keep. And then you're starting to look at this whole picture of this whole million dollars, and you're starting to wonder yourself how much of that million dollars is actually mine. And you come to find that you might only get to keep about 70% of that million dollars. And for some people, it's even less. Some people might get to keep 60% of it. Some people might keep 75, but you don't get to keep that full million dollars. So now you're starting to wonder, based on the planning that you've put into place, is that million dollars enough? Because it's not really a million dollars. And now you're, you're starting to wonder about how can I make whatever this money, whatever percentage of this money is mine, how can I make that percentage increase? So if 70% of that is yours, how can I get that to 80 Can I get it to 85? And that's where that tax planning comes into place. And especially in this environment, I can't think, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years, I can't think of a better time from a tax standpoint that we have than right now to engage in tax planning to increase that percentage from 70% to whatever we can get that up to. But by ignoring it, which is what a lot of people do, right? They just ignore it. They Not because they necessarily want to ignore it, but they just don't know what options they have. And so they just end up paying that 70% and they get to keep 70 or they get to, they end up keeping 70% where they may have been able to keep more of it. And that's why we're always talking about taxes is because it's about, taking a look at your life work, your life savings, and trying to figure out how you can make the most of that go as long as you can to help you accomplish your retirement vision.
0: And I think that tax piece might be sort of what differentiates to a retirement planner from maybe the accumulation advisor you've been working with. And again, you've probably worked with a CPA. Well, the CPA is trying to make sure you pay the least amount of taxes as possible in the current year or the year that you're filing for. When you start working with your retirement planner, they're, they're in it for the long haul. It's, it's strategic tax planning. It's not just recording history.
1: Well, and, you know, we talk a lot about our, a common theme in our industry is investment diversification, We talk a lot about tax diversification because, you know, from where we're sitting, we think that that's equally as important, but the bulk of the savings that, you know, baby boomers and and anyone probably that's started planning and thinking about saving for retirement is putting it in this tax-deferred bucket because you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. That's just been kind of the general school of thought for a long time, but the thing with tax law is it's written in pencil, and it can change. You know, the spending spree that we've been on as a nation this year alone with the stimulus packages that have rolled out and that kind of stuff, it's an unsustainable, you know, path. And our, I guess our thoughts, our bet would be that taxes are going to go up and they're probably going to go up substantially. So we talk about diversification. Why would you ever want to put, you know, all of your savings into the one hope of a singular thing, which is taxes going down in the future? You know, why wouldn't you want to implement some control while taxes are historically down right now and build out some more tax-efficient buckets within your portfolio? Because, like Lauren had mentioned, you know, we have a great opportunity today. But every year that passes, those opportunities, you know, the, the door closes. So you have to engage in that proactive planning now, even though it's not necessarily fun to pay more in taxes today than, um, than trying to minimize taxes like a CPA might do.
0: You know what would be really great? To be in the zero percent tax bracket. That's what all of us would definitely like. But of course, not too realistic during the working years. But Lauren, David McKnight has written this book, The Power of Zero, and he talks about, you know, at least getting closer to the zero percent tax bracket. And with some some planning, people can at least maybe lower their tax bracket in retirement.
2: Well, we've been talking about the power of tax planning now for for a couple years and, and we stumbled across this book called The Power of Zero. It's written by David McKnight. And last year when we were able to get together uh, in person and do live events, at some of those events we handed out the book A Power of Zero. And then uh, recently we ran across David McKnight um, and he was working with a, a partner of ours and we said David, would you mind building this webinar for us to talk to our families, the people in our community that also want to save money on taxes. So he was gracious enough. He built this webinar for us, which is available right now on our website at merkleplan.com. It's complimentary. It It doesn't cost you anything. All you have to do is go out there. You can sign up for it. And then you can hear David McKnight's message about where taxes are now, where he thinks they are going, and then some specific strategies to help you engage in effective tax planning so you can get that 70% ownership of your pre-tax accounts up to a higher percentage if it works well for you. So that's an incredible opportunity. We're, we're very happy that David was willing to partner with us to produce this information, this webinar, to get it out to our community to help any, anybody who has aspirations of owning a bigger percentage of their pre-tax money now's the time to start that plan.
0: One more opportunity we want to tell you about is a chance to talk to one of our advisors directly. It's a retirement checkup call. It's a 15-minute retirement checkup call. You can go to Merkelplan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E plan.com and get right on the calendar of one of the advisors here to talk about your situation. Maybe it's taxes you want to talk about. Maybe it's retirement income. Maybe it's long-term care. Questions you have can be answered By the advisors here at Merkle Retirement Planning. We'll also continue talking about the questions you have as you move to and through retirement on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance LLC. You're gonna say something about taxes now. You're gonna segue. yeah. I don't know how
1: you were taxed into we that. the segue. <laughs> No, I didn't say
2: I was going to. I said, let's talk about this, and eventually we'll get back to
0: taxes. (laughs) That means I have to go back to taxes, and you want me to be conversational. Fine, i got to think now. That
2: that was my podcast vision.
0: (laughs) great.